This is What Happens If with Daniel and Jan on Joy. time again tuesday tuesday is when we ask the big questions at least one of them yeah we ask one yeah we do one at a time yeah and we so don't ask us again to do multiple at once we're not gonna do it it's awful it's an awful suggestion and i'm too busy Ugh. and i'm tired no i'm actually no i'm excited to be here yeah me too by the way my name is daniel roberts i'm yanda pietro in case you're wondering and this show is called what happens if dot and dot dot I learn a language. Yeah. Is the question we're asking tonight. It is. And, and throughout the week, I must admit, I've been starting to think, similarly to last week when it was what happens if I die, and people said, eh, is it what happens if or what happens when I die? Ooh, yeah. we know stuff. Yeah, to which we um, ridiculed them. Um, yeah. But <laughs> it sort of feels like this week we are also learning what happens if I learn about language. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because language is more than, you know, I want to speak another language on top of the one I inherited, you know, my mother tongue. Mm. It's more, you know, there's more to it than that. Mm. And we're going to be speaking to some people who know all about that. We are. We have uh, some amazing guests. We've got Dr. Debbie Lokes. Mm, from the Melbourne Melbourne University. Melbourne Professor University. of Linguistics. Linguist. She's a linguist. We're going to be speaking very well. We will. <laughs> and she'll be... <laughs> And she will be judging us. <laughs> uh, we're also talking to a wonderful boy, man. His name's Daniel Riley. <laughs> He's a boy, man. He's a boy, I, man. I, I know. <laughs> <laughs> this is a guy. Yeah, we need help with yeah. our language. Yeah, we do. No, he's he's amazing. He's from Bangara Dance Theatre. They're here in Melbourne this week mm. um, with their new show, Dark Emu. And we'll be looking. Yeah. We'll be talking to him to him about dance as a language. Yeah, which is very exciting. And don't you think just some great producing on my part? What a broad stroke that was. <laughs> if you're just listening at home, I, that was just a moment of blank staring at each other. Daniel was fishing for something there and he got nothing. Uh, we'll also look at a, a cute little transcript. Uh, <laughs> That yarn brought to the table. Oh, yeah. Mm. yeah. Uh, just, just Personal. one of those, just one of those moments when you're just not coping with the other person who's trying to help you on the other end of the line. No. Whew. It it's a disaster. Didn't, it didn't work. No. Uh, but yeah, we are, look, we are asking the question, what happens if I learn a language? And so we looked at, um, Australia and, mm. uh, and thought, okay, why we have, we are, uh, you know, politicians when they're up and, and running and, you know, barracking for themselves. They like to say that they are proud of how multicultural we are. They do. But we don't seem to speak many languages as a whole. We no. speak English and there's a few different areas where little languages are spoken, mm-hmm. but we don't seem to tend... Well, I don't know any of them. Yeah, I don't speak well, any no. of them. No, no, I'm monolingual. And we... And most uh, of us are. So we found... Uh, I found an article um, by an author... Uh, she, her name is, excuse me. Misty Adonio. Misty, Misty, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like Aubrey Wodonga. <laughs> We're not very good 
At names. At names. Well, this is A-D-O-N-I-O-U. So if you do know how that's pronounced, text in. Let us know. Yeah, 0427 JOY 949. But they're going to have to do it via text. Difficult, but go ahead. Yeah. Uh, yeah, well, Misty uh, looks at different languages in Australia and uh, she's ri- she's writing about uh, in this article titled Linguistic Paranoia, Why is Australia So Afraid of Languages? Um, that only really about, I think it's 20, 20% of the Australian population speak another language, mm. which is very small, considering we were, uh, you know, it's only a nation. We haven't been here that long. There were thousands of languages spoken before us. Yep. Uh, and uh, that we are, you know, known as this multicultural nation. What happens to those languages? Where do they go? Mm, I've, I found it a really interesting article. Like I think you said off air that it was, um, it was very straightforward. Yeah. yeah I found it, a, it was a, a watertight argument about about the I guess like the the logic of of how we look at language and how we I suppose perceive um, bi- bilingual people and how we think about um, what what she calls community languages as opposed to or like languages in the home as opposed to languages in education I found that a really interesting thing well she says how um, basically we look at we, in Australia we see languages in in a, in a hierarchy. Mm. So if you're educating yourself and you're an educated person, it's respected to learn French or German. Yeah. Uh, so more well, classical, the, the classic languages, the classical, yeah. the classical languages. Um, where and then it's practical to mm. learn uh, Chinese, Indonesian, or Japanese because you know, of course, that benefits the economy. Throwback to. Dr. Richard Dennis. <laughs> I'm, right. I'm sure he's listening. Yeah, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. He'll read tweeted at least. Um, I, you know, I must say, like, that, that is a bit of a pet peeve of mine in the sense that uh, I don't, I'm just not impressed when someone mentions, oh, yeah, I learned a bit of Japanese in high school and then they count to 10. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just like, so that's all you got from. <laughs> You well, got like one to t- like all you're showing me is that you can remember ten words in a row and they're always in the same order. Yeah, itchy knee something. San she go rock and hard juju, but it doesn't yeah. matter that I know it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but do, do you know what I mean? Like I I just think I, it, know. I think that speaks to it's a pointless. broader idea that we sort of have this um, uh, a little bit of a nos- nostalgia around the way we learn languages in school, especially in high school, and it's always. Of this attitude of, yeah, did that for a bit, but then ended up dropping it. Totally. It just bothers me. Well, it's a shame. Like, I, I did, I studied French at high school, um, was okay in it, was probably a bit of a prick in the class. <laughs> and so, didn't you, didn't you learn <laughs> French while you were in Singapore? Is that right? Well, yeah. So while I was, <laughs> while I was living in Singapore, I'm very international people. Yeah. While I was living in Singapore, I needed a project and so I thought, well, why don't I go back and study French? Cause, uh, cause, because you had done a bit in high school? Yeah, because I'd done a bit in high school and also because I saw my career heading over to Europe. Right, okay. So I thought I should try and learn something before I get there. There you go. You were trying to make a political a political game. Yeah. Well, uh, it didn't last. Mm. Um, I signed myself up to the Alliance Francaise yep. and headed on over. And Where's uh, the Alliance Francaise? In in uh, in Singapore. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, they have lots because I know there's one in St Kilda, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're everywhere. I mean, I don't know if they're everywhere. But... <laughs> <laughs> 
But anyway, so I had mentioned to them, and perhaps this was lost in translation, whether it be Singlish or English or French, I'm not sure. But because I'd said I had done a bit of French, they put me in the advanced class. Oh, no, 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 no. And no, 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 I did not remember a a thing. And so I go in for my first lesson of what I think is beginner's French, and they are all speaking fluently and looking at me, and I'm going, we... Ah, oh, how many times did you go away before they went? <laughs> I, I I just huh? remember I remember feeling so shocked that I don't know if I I don't know how I managed. It's all a blur right. because literally it was the most embarrassing. Um, uh, you don't even know what. <laughs> you don't even know how to say you don't know what in French. <laughs> I was, and you know what? I'm still getting the emails from Alliance Francaise in <laughs> Singapore because they're in French, and I don't know how to. Stop I'm subscribed. I subscribe. I get that. I have, a, I have an email from. Um, uh, I think it's um, uh, uh, Norway, and it's to do with some film festival or something. And um, yeah, I can't unsubscribe because it's just. I mean, it's just completely, I can't even pick where the unsubscribe word no. is well, I know in that the email. Stop in French is arrête, I think. Uh, yeah, but that probably comes up more than once in the email. <laughs> yeah. Well, never mind. It didn't work out, people. No. And I also didn't move to France. Uh, I live here. The other thing, you know, I'm just completely changing back to um, the article, by the way. Yeah. Um, the other thing that um, stuck out to me was... Um, the way Misty thinks about this idea of unity and diversity. Like, she talks about... She talks about how, like you said, how we celebrate multiculturalism. But then when we're talking about um, language and about um, nurturing languages in the home, we seem to forget that. We seem to forget that idea. And I loved how then she sort of... She sort of put that into this idea of... um, yeah, this is getting a bit much, but using the words political discourse, but like in our discourse as a nation, we there's this idea of unity that's sort of creeping in a lot as opposed to the word diversity. Yeah. And I, f- I find it interesting how she made that link because I feel like, I feel like this is a cultural thing, right? Obviously. Well, isn't it, isn't it kind of something that maybe isn't as celebrated as much as it should be? The fact that people can speak other languages and they come to school not knowing much English, but that's why you have school. Right. You know, and, like, that's yeah. why you have English teachers, isn't it? Yes. I, mean, I, I guess, I mean, yeah. And and I read another one of her articles and she speaks about how knowing, uh, having a mother tongue that isn't English and nurturing that mother tongue as a child when you go into kindergarten uh, makes your ability to learn English better. Mm. So knowing another language enhances, doesn't take away from... Right. Whereas, to be honest, I, I, I feel ignorant in the fact that I would have thought that it would have been a hindrance. Yep. A- and I feel silly for thinking that up until this point, but I've realised now that I'm wrong. And I, I find that amazing that the, the whole logic of English teaching seems to be backward. Well, I can, I can uh, order a cup of coffee in Mandarin. Can you? Well, clearly, I'll eat a cafe, ma. <laughs> Can you count to ten, though? That's the real question. <laughs> I think I used to be able to, to be honest. Oh, okay. Anyway, so, look, learn English, people. <laughs> yeah, oh, at least a little bit of it. <laughs> and hopefully you'll learn something tonight. This is what happens if I'm joined on 4.9. Tonight we're asking the question, what happens if I learn a language? We've got Dr. Debbie Lokes from Melbourne University. She's a linguist. Coming up next. Joy. 
So this is what happens if on Joy 94.9. And tonight we're asking what happens if I learn a language. Mm. Um, as, as we so often do, we tend to go highbrow first <laughs> yeah, and drop off right. towards the end. Yeah, yeah, just slowly get tired. Uh, would you like to introduce our first guest? I think I will. Um, we've got with us, um, Dr. Debbie Lokes. She is a researcher in linguistics at the, at Melbourne University. Thanks for joining us, Debbie. Hi, thanks for having me. Now, I hope you're not offended, but you're not our first doctor. Like I said, we do go highbrow, and we've had doctors on before. So you've got a lot to live up to, Dr. (laughs) Debbie. (laughs) Very good. I'm glad to hear it. (laughs) So just by way of sort of introducing people to you and to your work, um, what what area of linguistics do you focus on, if any, and um, how do you work at um, Melbourne University? Yep, so I'm actually a phonetician, so I'm interested in uh, speech sounds mostly and how accents change, how languages change, and um, how people talk, tell something about them, actually. So I'm interested in all those little things that people do um, so, with their voice. Well, that's interesting. So what are some specific things that might be uh, specific to Australians, for example? So, well, pretty much the entire accent. So our yeah. accent <laughs> is, <laughs> is probably um, the closest accent that you can find to Australian English is probably New Zealand English and also standard Southern British English. Um, but we do have um, unique vowels in Australia. And one of the ones, I guess, is um, the vowel in a word like he. So often it might be pronounced something like he. So you get those kind of unique little Australian flavours. Sounds like my grandma. She lives, <laughs> she lives near Coles Harbour. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, oh, yeah, I guess that's one of them. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, no, of course, of course. <laughs> And so, so how do you, you said you, you said you um you look into how uh, accents or dialects change over time. So how do you think about um, word formation or I guess dialect formation? And is that a cultural process or is it just something that occurs? I would say um, yes. Yeah, so fundamentally, languages are rule based, and those rules can change over time if the community agrees. So I guess in terms of something being cultural. Um, I've had a little bit of a think about this question um, and I would say it's more language rule-based except you can find things that are cultural. So in Australia, for example, people talk about that we have a relaxed kind of culture, so shortening words is something that happens a lot. Um, so if you make a new word or if you make a new nickname, you might, for example, say Sharon is Shazza and I've heard the Prime Minister refer to as ScoMo, so that's something quite <laughs> informal that we do in Australia, but... Largely, it's more rule-based. You know, we add plurals by adding an S in most cases in English. Um, If we have a new word and we need to make a plural, we simply add an S. So those are more rule-based kinds of of processes. So what kinds of uh, effects does language have on... uh, Does language learning have on the human brain? Is it healthy to learn new words, sounds, patterns, that sort of thing? Yes, it is. So it's never unhealthy to learn a new language. Um, And the cognitive benefits are um, becoming more and more known as we go on in terms of what we can understand about the human brain and about the human experience. So um, it's said that bilingual children have great advantages and also even in adulthood, it's much harder to learn a language, but it's cognitively advantageous to learn a new language so it's a challenge on your brain um, those damn bilingual <laughs> children i'm so jealous <laughs> exactly. of them um my niece is one is she yeah, yeah, what, yeah. what does what else does she speak well or does my... she speak english <laughs> yeah well okay. actually she speaks nothing at the moment oh, okay. but um but but this is actually really interesting because she speaks nothing but she clearly is starting to almost say english words but she 
understands her mother, whose mother tongue, she's from Colombia, her mother's from Colombia. Oh, wow. So she's got a mother tongue that she's learning and listening to and responds to, but she's almost saying English words. So she's at this really fascinating crossroads. So is that, yeah. is that the ideal age, um, Debbie? Is it, is, it, is it from birth? Is that the best time to learn a language? Is there a moment? Is there a window? Yes. And am I in it? <laughs> no, you're not in it. Oh, just, come on. <laughs> so you sound above age, but it, it is an advantage for adults as well. But um, most research shows that infanthood and even before birth, children are tuning into what they're hearing spoken in the environment around them. Um, so it often takes children longer to learn to speak if they're um, bilingual, but once they can speak, those advantages show and being able to talk to more people is always a healthy thing as well. Seems like this would have, this would have, it sort of leads me on to this question about, about our political debates. And it feels like that there are clearly benefits for, for us being a more bilingual friendly society, if that's phrasing it correctly. And I hope I am because we're talking about language. But it yeah, feels like there true. are clear political benefits, even even amongst people who are speaking English to each other, um, to be better at language uh, as an idea. But being bilingual would seem to be just an improvement for everyone. Um, absolutely. And the more people that you can talk to is always an advantage. I mean, that's something that, of course, a linguist would say, but um, hopefully people out there in the community agree with that as well. Um, so in terms of... Um, Politics, I guess it depends what you're what you're thinking about. So language in itself is a political, it can be a political act. Um, in Australia, we pretty much have um, mainstream standard Australian English as the language used in education, in media. Um, any institution that you can think of, yet Australia has hundreds of Indigenous languages um, and there's a lot of um, people out there that speak Aboriginal languages um, that we're here well before English, so, you know, there's those kinds of um, political things we can think about as well. In terms of, um, say, for example, in New Zealand, they study, they, they learn different Maori languages, is that mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. Uh, would... um, I believe they only just um, learn Maori itself, um, uh-huh. I believe. I'm not sure about the different dialects. Okay, um, right. They do. And in apparently in New South Wales, I believe um, a lot of schools are teaching Indigenous language as well, and I guess that's happening in some other parts of Australia as well. It's certainly not happening all over Victoria, but there are certainly some places where Aboriginal languages are being taught in kindergarten um, and in schools. I know that's the case in Mildura. They're learning Barkindji in some of the kinders and some of the schools around there. Um, that's certainly the ones I know about anyway, um, but it's not across the curriculum like it is in New Zealand. Do we have a a good track record of preserving languages? I mean, we we have a successful multicultural society, but mm-hmm. it feels like I don't know. Uh, is this just my sort of I guess my lived experience of it? But it feels. I mean, so as an example, mm-hmm. my grandmother was fluent in Italian. Yeah. Uh, yet I probably only remember what I learned from doing distance education in high school, and then dropped it. Yeah. So that's sort of the death of Italian in my family across two generations. How do we think about preserving languages? So Australia is not really known for its um, multilingual nature like some other places. Um, Some some people say that Australia has a pretty monolingual culture in a way. Um, So, no, there's not a great record for preserving language. So even in you're talking about your um, experience with Italian, 
And I guess, um, you know, historically it hasn't been prized to speak more than one language and hopefully that's changing now. Um, and also in terms of Indigenous languages, a lot of those have been lost as well. People um, didn't understand and um, I think previously there was about 300 distinct languages and now there's about 20 that are being um, learnt by children as a first language um, and there's certainly a lot of efforts going on to preserve languages now but it's certainly not been the case in the past. So that you're spot on with that one. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, but that, surely that has a lot to do with our geography as well, just due to sheer isolation. Uh, I guess, but when you think about all the languages that were spoken here before um, the colonial... Oh, no, I don't mean... I, I mean, uh, yeah, oh, totally. In terms uh, of uh, other languages. Yes. Yeah. Like, oh. so, yeah, in terms of the, um, multicultural society, I guess, yes, people don't see um, why they should learn another language, I guess, if they're not um, experiencing multilingual society around them. So there is that, um, you know, people learn languages when they see that it's going to be important for them, which is another, you know, we talked about politics and language being power. So if you're not seeing it spoken around, if it's not totally normalised to have more than one language, then people have less incentive to want to talk. But we are, we are as, as a nation, sort of historically expectant of people that come here to have learned English as well. Yeah, I mean, historically, absolutely, yes, that, that's the case. Mm. Um, so, yeah. But so then, so almost as if it's not valued, that, mm. that your other language is not valued, you're more ex- expected to assimilate rather than uh, than us learning anything from anyone else. Yeah, absolutely. There is, um, there has been that um, kind of um, feeling, and I guess it still exists for some people as well. And I, I know that... Um, it can be a misunderstanding about children going into school and if they don't have English, um, it's assumed that, you know, um, that they should they should have picked it up in a family home, but for some kids, maybe the first time they're ever getting exposed to English. So, yeah, there's certainly a lot of negativity rather than positivity about having more than one language and if that language is not English, yeah. So how, how do you think about... Um technology's effect on the way we communicate and the way that we communicate across languages or across nations? I mean, it feels like we're more exposed to other languages because it's sort of easier to travel than it ever has been ever in the history of us. But yeah. Yeah. yet yet it feels like that also has an effect on 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 morphing the way we the way we speak to each other or or I guess the Yeah. Um, and I guess as a linguist, I'm going to have a positive view on that rather than a negative one. So yeah, right. I think technology is a great thing. I think it just allows more communication amongst different groups of people. Um, and so, I mean, one example is text messaging. And yes, people use shortened forms of language and hopefully they still understand the lengthened forms. And I think that's where some of the, hmm. um, you know, there's there's a bit of a worry about that amongst certain generations, I think. But um Generally, people are quite literate and able to use text messages and using emojis um, gives us an extra element that we can put in our written language. So you can have smiley faces and you can use a thumbs down, which is kind of like adding gesture um, in a written form. So I think it's great. As a linguist, I think it's great. Well, Dr. Debbie, we've got to wrap it up there. But just to finish off, uh, how's Jan and I, how's our English been? English good? Good well, English? I can understand you. I like your mainstream English. I'm also talking mainstream English, so I think we worked out well. Yeah, we got through it. I think we communicated well. What are your thoughts on Pig Latin, by the way? Ooh, I remember Pig Latin. Yeah. So, what, was there a question about Pig Latin? No. No, I'm just going to say, Udbai Gay. Oh, it works for LGBT radio. <laughs> 
Dr. Debbie <laughs> Lokes from Melbourne University, ex- an expert in linguistics. Thanks, Dr. Debbie. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Joy. This is what happens if on Joy 94.9, and tonight we're asking the question, what happens if I learn a language? Mm. Uh, now, Jan, what about dance as a language? It's kind of something that we actually know quite a bit about. Yeah, yeah, we've been around that a fair while. Now, we actually haven't talked about that at all on air. Not at all at all. <laughs> Not at all. But we are dancers. Yes, been there. There you go, done that. Okay. <laughs> done, done a lot of that. Now, someone who actually is that, doing... That was a very brief description <laughs> of that history. Well, we don't need to go into it. <laughs> no, we don't need to. Uh, but uh, someone who actually does dance for a living and uh, is quite amazing, at, I must say, is the beautiful Daniel Riley from Bangara Dance Theatre and he's with us on the phone now. Hi, Dan. Hi, how are you? Great, thank you, Dan. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, no, thank you. Well... It's really nice to, um, nice to be here in Melbourne again. Yeah, great to be... Uh, good to be back. Yeah, always. Always, you know, like, we just come from Brisbane where we had amazing season and so supportive and, you know, family just... Family and uh, supporters and mob just come out from everywhere whenever we travel around these capital cities. So, um, yeah, it's good to be here in Melbourne. And this is actually the last season of Dark Eden. So, we're, um, yeah, we'll close it out here and then it'll go in the cupboard for a little while. So, Dark Emu is the piece that you guys have been performing this year, the new work created by uh, Stephen Page, yourself, and some other dancers, I believe, as well. Yes, yeah. Um, Stephen, myself, and an ex-dancer called Yolandi Brown, she um she's she was a long time dancer with the company. She joined in '99 uh, and toured and travelled the world with with Bangara until I think I can't remember what her last year was. We danced together. It must have been 2008 was her last work, and then she just she had a boy uh, and she went on maternity leave and uh, and came back into the company uh, directing this uh, online kind of portal and this online. Um, uh, system that we've got going on that's being developed now called Knowledge Ground, where people can access Bangara shows uh, and look at costumes or sets and lighting and dances and um, dance sets or even like the country and the family that they, that work has come from. So this is a big kind of online portal that's going to be wow. launched next year as part of Bangara's 30th anniversary. That's amazing. That's so it's an like amazing a, resource. It's like a dictionary of dance. <clears throat> exactly right. Like an online kind of resource dictionary of Bangara and their 30 years of repertoire. Oh, incredible. It's quite, it's quite amazing. Um, it's going to be quite, you know, big it's, um, and detailed and Yoli's been working really hard on it and the company's been uh, given a lot of support around it. So it's going to be quite exciting once it's uh, launched. Well, I guess uh, the so we you know, this show is called What Happens If, and we ask a different question each week, and we're looking at learning languages. Uh, there's so much language that influences all of Bangara work. Some of it traditional indige- indigenous, some of it uh, a dance, a language of dance. Uh, in terms of this specific work, D- uh, Dark Emu is based on uh, a book by Bruce Pascoe. Do you want to tell us about how that kind of came about and uh, how the, his work has influenced uh, the dance work? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, as you said, the our show, Dark Emu, is based off a book written by Bruce Pascoe, who's a Bunurong Yuan man uh, uh, from Southeast Australia. And he um, he wrote this book uh, a few years ago, um, won a numerous awards. Uh, and the book pretty much went about disproving that, you know, if First Nations... Uh, Aboriginal people were not just kind of hunters and gatherers. You know, we didn't stand around on one leg with a spear in one hand and wait for a kangaroo to, to hop by so we could kill it and feed our family. You know, we had a very strong, deep, enriched uh, connection to country and to connection to land. 
um, and very complex systems of farming using agriculture, aquaculture, fire farming, and also reciprocal farming with animals and developing those relationships. In like 60,000 plus years, these relationships have been going on of, of, of reciprocal hunting t- um, methods with animals um, where both parties would would gain from 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 the hunt uh you know and it's just the book really is so in-depth and so well researched and so succinct in its um in its message that we we have been we were here for a very very long time before um colonialists uh colonialists arrived and we were thriving really you know because when they come and because it wasn't fences and it wasn't everything in a row, you know, it wasn't their way, their visual style of farming, you know, maybe they didn't see it or maybe they chose not to see it. We don't really know that. But in the book, Bruce has researched a, a, like a, quite a lot of um, colonialist explorer diaries and in these diaries where these explorers uh, describe in quite in-depth detail of what they're seeing and the relationships that they're seeing between Aboriginal people and the land and how they were doing the farming and how they were setting up and how they were burning and how they were, you know, would interact. And so there is a lot of information around, around that. And this book pretty much just put it out there in the world um, and disproved a lot of myths. Um, and then from that book, you know, Stephen, uh, our artistic director, had met Bruce, um, Bruce mentioned offhandedly he came to see Ben along last year, which was a big success for the company, and he just mentioned offhandedly, like, "Oh, you should do Duck Emu, the dance work." And Stephen kind of it sat with Stephen for a little while, and he just kind of with a, a lot of ideas that Stephen has, it sits with him, and it just keeps coming back. Uh, and he just decided, "Well, let's do that." We're at a time in the world, and you know, in Australia now, where people are. are connecting to something bigger than themselves and people are caring about the environment and people are, are caring about their little piece of land if it's some, if you're lucky enough to own a piece of land. Um, and I think this whole, the book and what Bruce has <clears throat> done with the book uh, has really uh, made those connections quite clear and made those connections deeper, uh, deep-rooted uh, ideas. Um, and so what we did is just with the use of a dramaturg, Alana Valentine, she looked at, she read the book numerous times and she drew from it the uh, strong thematic ideas and a couple of traditional stories in there that we dissected. Um, and more than anything, what we did is we we drew our perspective, our black perspective from this book um, and, what, and how we feel and what uh, our connection to that and our deep-rooted spiritual connection to that and to the land as well, you know, in this kind of cyclical uh, idea of of, um, of of people, land and stories, people, land and stories and how that would go round and round. And so that's kind of what, in a very short, although I'm still talking, uh, <laughs> idea is what we've done with um, with the translation from the book to the stage. Yeah, and so you speak about, you've just mentioned that word translation. That's really interesting to me in terms of I say so you've got a body of evidence here and as you say an extremely well researched mm. text and and yeah. there there it sits on pages and the dramaturg reads it etc etc and then I imagine yeah. there's there's conversations that go on and now we're into words and then at some point 
someone's got to start using their body <laughs> and putting it on the stage and 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 doing yet another translation. So what does that feel? Can you sort of help listeners to describe what that feels like, what that moment is where you have the words and you've got the research and then you go, okay, body, go. Yeah, it's tricky. Like I going from, you know, text on a page to something physical is um it was tricky, you know, like it was it wasn't as straightforward as and because what we were doing, we weren't following a narrative storyline like Benelong, for example, you know, it's not like if there was a book about Benelong you could read A to Z and that's kind of what we did in the show. Whereas this the storyline and the narrative, kind of the narrative line and then kind of the what you follow throughout is land so in a way i kind of like to describe that the narrative figure that you follow throughout dark is the land and is um it in its different shapes and forms um and it's different elements uh but taking it from from text to body was tricky and you know it, what alana did very succinctly and really clearly and what was a great help is that she would pull out the most potent sentences or the most potent words uh or if there was a long paragraph, she would divide that down into like a sentence or a, like a, a, a few words and a sentence and then something that we could um, connect to deeper, I suppose, and, and, and how we can as dancers and as creators, as everyone in the company is. Like it wasn't just kind of the three of us choreographing. You know, we would obviously be at the front and directing and facilitating, but the dancers are very much a massive collaborative um, part of, of each Bangara work, but especially Dark Emu. Uh, and so it was just that translation of like how can we, I don't know, for example, um, <clears throat> what's a good example? Uh, there's a, um, I'm not sure if you've heard of the Brewarrina fish traps, which are in northern New South Wales. Uh, these fish traps are believed to be the oldest man-made structure in the world. Um, the rocks that these fish traps are created from are volcanic. And so they, it was just a way of fish farming, really, and wow. of, 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 of fishing. So instead of making nets, they would build these beautiful, um, traps in a river. Uh, and they would wait, high tide would rise, the fish would come, and as high tide would turn to low tide, the fish were trapped. So <laughs> what really drew me to this section uh, and what we did, me and the men, we created a beautiful little little world of the fish traps, um, is we just, we just, we, we spoke about what, what that feeling would be like, like what, it, what what's the idea behind that? And also this sense of time as well. You know, because the tides don't happen in 10 to 15 minutes. Like that's, sometimes it's a couple of hours and mm. it's a passing of a day. And it's a, uh, for us, it's for the men, it's a labor of, of building consistently over mm. and over and, 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 and trapping and then hunting. And so to t- turn those into that idea of the fish traps into something physical was, is merely just, um, conversations that we would, attempt to put ourselves as men in that are in that role and in that when these fish traps were built like what what was the purpose how long did it take what's the spirit of that how does that make us feel uh, and how can we then convey that to an audience um so it's a multiple step process in a way but it like it wasn't necessarily an easy uh, an easy thing to do translate this book to 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 visual they almost accompany each other like if you've mm. read the book and you come and see the show it, it will it will only enhance your ideas of the book mm. 
and also vice versa. If you see the show and you want to learn more and you're hungry to learn more about our beautiful country, about what it was, but also what it could have been as well, you know, if mm. if that level of ignorance wasn't there at the time, um, that that they accompany each other. You know, I don't think it's this kind of like I read the book. Like when you see a film, it's like oh, I wasn't as good as the book. Yeah. It's, it's a very it's a very different um, um, medium into the into the same story. Mm. Well, I guess uh, you mentioned Ben Along, which is the work you guys performed last year, and it was such a success and also such a powerful, powerful work, so moving. Um, but it did yeah. have that powerful narrative, which, of course, would be different to exploring maybe more thematic and also structural ideas. Uh, how, how did you go about yeah. – how, how what's your process, Dan? Do you improvise on your own? Do you get your dancers to improvise for you? How do you start to really make things move? In numerous different ways. It really depends on in, on what I'm trying to do and what, you know, some some bits or worlds or even works that I create are, are very clear walking into the studio. And others maybe are a little bit murkier, you know, they're a bit kind of – um, yeah, the water's not as clear, so it takes that conversation and it takes that kind of just sit at the front and ob- observe dancers. Um, Are you quite collaborative? For, for yeah, absolutely. And mm. I think I think that's the best from um, from my point of view. That's the best way to create because um, I don't know. You know, I think you can have one creative idea, but what's better than one? It's eight. You know. Yeah, get it's the kind collective intelligence going and. <clears throat> Exactly, mm. exactly right. You know, and you just, I don't know, I think it, it allows, and also as a dancer being on the other side when I'm not creating, it allows you a way in. So you can, you feel like you, you're, you're giving something that you, you trust and you believe. So when you're performing that, it gives it a certain amount of weight. It doesn't feel like you're just putting on, um, a t-shirt of somebody else's idea but it's actually something more deeper it's actually coming from your your marrow and your blood as opposed to just this kind of superficial idea that someone said okay now do this you know i think it that idea of collaboration and trying to allow the dancers to be something to be themselves and to give themselves over to that i think uh and it, yeah yeah i think it's a that idea of collaboration is what makes I know so much kind of contemporary dance and or any any kind of art so great, you know. Hey, Daniel Riley, we need to wrap it up, but we do believe you guys are here this week, and I know uh, the next two weeks at the Art Centre from the sixth to the fifteenth. Yeah. Uh, but I do believe tickets are very limited. However, there is a community show on tomorrow night. There is tomorrow night. Yeah, yeah, we have a community show, so you can get uh, organised through all those tickets through uh, the Bangara dot com website. Um, it's our first preview here in, in Melbourne. So please like book tickets. The tickets are $15, uh, come out and, um, it's just nice to kind of see all the community and all our, you know, our black arts community and our non-indigenous arts community, just the whole community come out and see us and support us and, you know, and they get their first look at the show, which is great. Perfect. Well, Daniel Riley from Bangara, thanks so much for joining us on What Happens If. Enjoy! Oh, they're good. Mm. Yeah, so this is What Happens If on Joy 94.9. I say that, I think I say that too much. I'm just going to say, this is What Happens If on Joy from now on. Yeah, okay. All right. This is What Happens If on Joy. And Starting with right now. We are. <laughs> <laughs> we are asking the question tonight, what happens oh, that's if... that's a minute gone. I learn a language. Mm. Now, Jan, you have a story to tell. 
Yeah, I do. Mm. Um, well, you know, yeah, okay. so we're talking about what happens if I learn a language. But what about English? What about what about the way that we converse with each other? My English is good? It's just... <laughs> I have a little bit of a concern, and I'm not alone, I don't think. I know I'm not alone. About the way that we use English online and how that can just lead to just break down in communication so quickly. Now, do you mean uh, like BRB, LMLFAO, or do you mean like just poorly putting sentences together? (laughs) I probably more mean poorly putting sentences together because Mm -hmm. then you're somewhere in between shorthand and correct English. Is poorly putting sentences together the right thing to say or putting sentences together poorly the right thing to say? I don't know. Okay. (laughs) I'm part of the problem, maybe. 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 So what happened was um, I had a a, a, a problem with um, being double charged for my monthly phone bill. Oh, now, God. I won't say who it was with. Oh, first of problems. Yeah, yeah, right. Okay. And uh, so I was charged, I was like, oh, well, I better rectify this because there was, there's no, um, uh, there's no reason why I need to be charged twice. Who was it, Dodo? It wasn't Dodo. Okay. But we won't say who it was. No, we won't. Um, cause I, cause they fixed it in the end. Oh, okay. Oh, gosh. Spoiler. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, so. man. I, oh, gosh. Um, oh, look, okay. if you can manage you to know. hang around now that you know the <laughs> yeah. end. So much. So this is a conversation that you had with, is it a bot or is it a person? I don't know. Okay. I hope it's a bot. Me too. (laughs) Let's play it like it's a bot. Okay. That's my direction to you. Play it like it's a bot. All right. Is this it? Are we going? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, let me get my hold music ready. Yeah, get the hold music ready, and I'll just explain. So, so I, you were, weren't, you I was weren't... on my way to work, and um, I thought, I don't want to call them because that's annoying. I'm going to just do an online chat and get it resolved that way. So I started an online chat. Could be with a robot named Vivek, or it could be a person named Vivek on the other end and, speaking and... to me. Sorry, go. Like, like, you know how you used to do, like, MSN chat? Yes, That's what yes. it's like. It's the, one of those. Yes, I've done okay. it before as well. It's weird. Yeah, so we had a conversation. And so you're going to be yourself? Yeah, I'll be me. And I'll be Vivek. Yeah, be Vivek. Hi there. Hi, it looks like I was charged twice for one recharge of $30. <laughs> no worries. I will surely check that for you. Give me a minute to pull up your account here. <laughs> this is going really well. So he does that, and just 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 to tell people also, I've I've edited down this conversation from about ten pages to two, okay, and then he comes back. Thanks for staying online. You are correct. Your number is recharged with thirty dollars twice. A few minutes goes by. I just want to check if everything is okay, as I haven't heard from you since my last post. Yes, I'm here, sorry. I did not want two rechargers, obviously. You can see that the rechargers were made almost at the exact same time and that my recharge did not run out in the interim. I only wanted one recharge and should only pay for $30 for one recharge, correct? I have checked the usage. You have used the data which you have got in recharge. Hence, this recharge cannot be refunded. Is it clear to you that the two rechargers were made very close together in time? Yarn, yes, I can check that. However, I can see the data of that recharge is used and now you have the data remaining from one recharge only. Do you know the exact time the two rechargers were made? If Where are we? Oh, yeah, yeah. If, sorry, I'm just I'm just thinking about my character. Am I happy <laughs> yeah, with this? Yeah, yeah. Yes, I am. Um, if you is this is this the voice you imagined with him? Um, what did I imagine with him? 
We've got to... Okay. Now, the name Vivek. It's not... I mean... Are you thinking Russian? Well, yeah, I'm thinking... It's, it's either like... Yeah, Slovakian or... Or it could be... So what if I went... Southeast Asian? If you know... No. If you would... Oh, that's a bit Christopher Walken. If you would... No. Yeah, actually, no. Go Christopher Walken from now on. If you would... I can't do it now that I'm trying to... If you would, then use the data, then it could be possible. Uh, To get the refund. However, you use the data from the recharge. So what becomes clear is that what I did was I recharged my uh, account. Yes. uh, $30, right? And then I set up auto-recharge. You know how you set up auto-recharge? Well, I don't think anyone uses prepaid anymore, so I don't know what... What do you mean anymore? Okay, <laughs> this is clearly a bigger issue. This is why you're you're talking to Vivek, because no one else has prepaid. Yeah, well, how much are you paying a month? <laughs> a lot. Yeah, is it 30 bucks? Because I pay 30 bucks a month. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I'm going to go back to being Vivek now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we've established you've been you've been paying too much i've been paying too much i paid double and so i say to him um because i've used the same credit card for the two payments around so i say i recharge 30 dollars, then i set up auto recharge i set the auto recharge date to and i set it for the 19th day of each month and then he says i'm correct and now i'm like okay so you're seeing what i'm seeing right i charge myself after not needing to charge myself again and vivek says Yes, you have set up the auto-recharge to be done on the 19th of every month and your number has auto-recharged on 19th of August. No, you're not seeing what I'm seeing. I have got approval and can help you with refund options. Oh, good. What are the options? Option one, I can freeze $30 in your recharge account and share the reference. You can contact us anytime on or around 19 September as that's your current plan expiry and the next advisor will be able to use the freezed amount to recharge. I'll take it. Okay. Hey, with this option, should I probably stop auto-recharging to avoid a repeat of the same problem? Let me make the interaction reference number. (laughs) What is happening here? Your number will recharge only once with auto recharge, <laughs> or else you can delete the auto recharge. I will delete auto recharge for now. Okay. Whenever you want to set up the auto recharge, you have to do you have to do manual recharge and save card details, and then set up auto recharge. Set up proper date, which will not recharge double. So at this point, I think I was like crossing the road or something, and I almost stopped stopped and went. What? Because I like how Vivek is all of a sudden schooling you in how to auto recharge. This is what I'm talking about. Yeah. So, so because because we're talking in an online chat thing, where let's face it, that's just a very a very poor window window into into comprehending what someone's saying. Mm. It just it just goes from bad to worse. I mean, we're like going around in circles. Yeah, he's starting to tell me things that I. That I don't really need. He's basically need he's basically starting to tell promoting how how to use the business properly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, because I think I think that probably what happens is that they have um, they have uh, certain answers specified for certain questions or certain situations. So either it is a robot, and it's just like you know making the correct response based on what I'm saying. Yeah. Or the or the or the or the issue, or someone's there and they're clicking an option, and then it gives me. An answer out of well, a certain set, or it's someone on the other end. Well, this is really weird because when I let me turn this down, this hold music for God's sake. When I <laughs> um, got my new computer, yeah, I 
was having trouble setting it up. And so setting up an uh, oh, office yeah. on it. Which happens every single time. Every single time. And it's never, it's never as easy as... It's never as easy as they say. Can I say that? <laughs> yeah. All oh, right, I've put it out there. Um, the, yeah, it's never as easy as they say. And so I, it just wasn't working. And so I'm trying to upload this program and it's not working. So I went... So I ended up talking to a bot. Uh, and then all of a sudden, the I didn't... It wasn't a bot. Oh. It was a person. Because this person was accessing my computer via the internet to wherever she was oh. in the world and her, I could see her little mouse moving over my screen. Oh boy. Crazy. And you don't know where they were. I don't know who they are, where they were, but they were in my computer. That's really weird. I know. But no, I no, no. but I just had to trust it. Didn't have to. But if you wanted the problem fixed. I wanted do. it fixed, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you can't do it yourself. No. See and I just feel like what what this what this little what this little interaction tells us is that is that we need to be uh, I think a bit more mindful of how we're kind of losing our ability to converse very well. Hmm. Like I feel like it's a bit of a it's a bit of a thing for me. I get it. I like I don't. Uh, I guess I don't mind text messaging. Like like it's like you were talking about. I don't mind shorthand text messaging. That's fine. Yeah. But. <sighs> Sometimes what are you it about? sometimes it ends up dragging out more than it more than it would have if you just picked up the phone and went, yeah, meet me here at five. Oh, I mean, absolutely. There's so many times where I'm texting, 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 and then all of a sudden I'm just like, okay, what ha- what's happening? Yeah, tell what's, me. What's the actual thing that we're yeah. trying to get to here? Because I'm actually really popular and I text a lot of people. Yeah, clearly. And th- this this could have been bless you, <laughs> strawberries. Uh, <laughs> excuse me. So that this this could have been uh, a thirty second interaction. But it, it was honestly, I've, I edited this down from 10 pages of backing and forthing. Well, should we finish it off? Let's just finish it off. So he's just giving you advice. Yeah. And you come back, you come back, it's yeah, a, say, bit, a bit sassy. Yeah. That, yeah. He says, yeah, set up the proper date so it doesn't recharge double next time. And I okay, go, okay, say, great, good advice. Are you giving me the reference number here? You can delete the saved card details and stop the auto recharge. Open this webpage to do so. Yep, I know. <laughs> Enter your number and click on delete card details. Do I have to do that now? Can't I do that in my own time? I know how to do it. Then you can do it anytime before the 19th of next month. <laughs> <laughs> Any of the next months. So just give me the interaction reference number and I'll be on my way. This is your reference number for refund. He gives me the number. So I quote that number and the employee will know what to do. And I should quote the reference prior to September 19th. Yes, you are correct. Yes, you are correct. <laughs> it's a nice bot. <laughs> oh, Megan, please click on plus button. Oh, please click on plus, plus button on <laughs> left side of chat window to get the chat transcript. Ah, yes, a transcript. That'll be a ripping read, I'm sure. You and me, Vivek, correct, correct, correct. It seems you know all about our service and I feel happy to be... of No. Hang on, let me read that again because that's bad. Yeah, this has to be a really good button, remember, because we've just put through people through like 10 minutes of this yeah. just god-awful. It seems you know all about our service and I feel happy to be service of you. <laughs> Full stop. <laughs> and Vivek's right. I do know all about their service. I knew exactly what the problem was and that they needed to fix it. <laughs> well, Vivek oh. got there in the end. And I got to work. But that took my whole journey to work to fix that. Sometimes life's hard, isn't it? Especially when you have a prepaid account. (laughs) Joy. This is what happens if on Joy. And uh, we're heading towards the end of the show. We've been asking what happens if I learn a language. 
And it's been quite an interesting little topic, I think. Yeah. Quite broad. Yeah, something a little bit lighter for the listeners. We, well, I was doing a little, little bit of research, tapping around, tapping around, and mm. I thought I should look at Urban Dictionary. Yeah. Because that's a thing that people use. You've heard it used before, I think you told me. Yeah, I've heard it used. Well, I think you've heard it cited. Cited, yeah. People, yeah. I feel like people cite it on radio, and even when you search it in Google, mm. it actually comes up with its own search tab. But I didn't realize it was a site where you go to to post what you think the word means. <laughs> yeah, I've always thought it was actually an, an, an organization that took words on and defined words that we use in the modern lexicon. Yep. Um, but uh, no, it seems like any asshole can go on there <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and basically <laughs> define a word. Yeah, it's basically Twitter with a, a dictionary. That's right. So, so there was one particular entry that uh, that bothered you, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, basically, I actually went on to look at. I don't know why I went on. What well, I don't remember why I went on there, but. I think I just wanted to look at it and then homosexual popped up. I thought, okay, I'll check that out. And homosexual, it's all quite uh, G-rated, all the definitions. That's not what bothers me, by the way. I quite, <laughs> that's actually fine. Um, uh, it says nice things. The first one that pops up, uh, uh, top definition, a person who is attracted only to members of the same sex. There you go. Done. Yep. Done. Okay. Yeah. Okay, easy. That's the first one and that's fine? That's fine. Yep. Happy with that. So uh, then I looked up cisgendered. And uh, was unimpressed, to mm. say the least, with the way they defined uh, cisgendered. And it's probably a more modern term, perhaps, than homosexual. Yeah. Um, so uh, you were saying, and so, yeah, so I, I was telling this to Jan, and Jan, you went and searched the hashtag for it or something. Is that how it works? Yeah, yeah, well, that's right. So then, because I, I, I actually couldn't, it didn't pop up as an option for me. So then I clicked on hashtag cisgender within Urban Dictionary, and then it took me to a page that just says, there aren't any definitions, definitions tagged with hashtag cisgender yet. Can you add them or... Do you want to define it? And it's just given me the option here to just define it myself. You know, there's this great Tom Stoppard quote that I've always held dear, which is that if you get the right words in the right order, you can nudge the world a little. And I love that because he's talking about power in... It's it's that other old saying of the pen is mightier than the sword. This It's not nothing to make up a definition and then put it on this extraordinary thing called the internet the type of exposure that things get now makes it it's an amplifier it's this huge amplifier it doesn't mean we have to be less careful it doesn't mean that we have to um it doesn't mean that we um have permission a new kind of permission to just throw up nonsense out into the world it's the opposite Mm. the opposite has to be true that we get more careful with words Mm. right because you don't know who's reading that well, and I guess I guess the reason why we brought it up was, well, look, for our community, just be careful that you don't send um, anyone young to this page because it's really derogatory and gross mm. and just, just don't even bother with it. It's yuck. Yeah. Yucky. On that note. Boo! We danced to this once in high school. Do you remember? We no. did a routine to this. Did we? Oh, no, it wasn't. It was... um. Can you feel it? Oh, yeah. Can you feel it? Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that was good. Yeah, yeah, we were really good. Yeah, obviously. Well, this has been What Happens If, and uh, obviously we're finishing off with the Jacksons, ABC, learning a language. Yeah, one, two, three, learning numbers. That's but it. they're also words. We don't know what we're doing next week, do we? Or do we? Nah. We're going to leave it wide open. Ooh. Hey, go to the podcast. Check us out on iTunes, What Happens If. Uh, podcast is going really well. 
Lots yeah. of different apps up there. Love it. And uh, you can find us on iTunes or, of course, on the website, uh, joy.org.au forward slash what happens if. And, uh, you know, give us a follow on Instagram. Oh, that Instagram has some quality content on it, people. Yeah. And uh, There'll be another lovely little video coming up, I'm sure. Absolutely. Um, well, you can see what we're wearing this week. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, goodbye, gay. Oh. Thank you.